Uh, this, is, this is a Sunday that um, well, I've been looking for for a long time. And it was interesting, uh, most every Sunday, at least every, sun, every, every week that I remember to do this, and I write myself notes, so I'll try to remember to do this. Every, every week that I remember to do this, I, I pray and I say, God, what do you want to say? Regardless of what the topic is, regardless of what the scripture is, I don't want to just give a talk. I don't want to give a message. In fact, we struggle about what even to call this part of the service. You know, Bible study, I think we write in there. Because um, we don't want it to be a speech. We, we, what we want to do is say, God, what do you want to say to us today as we open up you know, your word? And this was really interesting. Um, I did that this week. I said, God, what do you want to say? And, and there wasn't even a, a lapse of time. And what I think I heard was, or what do you want people to know? That, that's the question. What do you want people to know? And I think the answer when I asked that question, God, what do you want people to know? He said, I want you to know Wendy. And I want you to know Eron. And I reflected on that for a second. I'm thinking, how much is that like God? To not, I don't want to just impart information to you. What I want is, I want, I want you to get to know the family. I want you to build these relationships. I want you to get to know these brothers and sisters that we have that, that live in other areas. That sounds so much like God. Um, Second Thessalonians says uh, that, that we're to not just share the gospel with one another, we're to share our lives as well. And one of the reasons this is just so surreal today is I was watching so much of that happen. Even before the service started, here were all these conversations that were happening out there. People that you've built relationships with already. People who are just getting introduced today. Um, and and we're, all these connections, with perhaps with schools beginning to, to meet with their school. It's just exciting to see what's going to happen as we get to know other people. Not just get to know more information. So I'm, I'm absolutely thrilled. Included in that mix today, too, I didn't know if they were going to be able to make it, but some of you heard about uh, this family, the Petersons, and this, um, this journey that only God could have inspired and only God could have had to come to pass. Could we have you guys stand up, the Petersons? Um, we've got Cheryl and Eric and their son Scott and their new uh, son and daughters. We have Sam, right there, Sam. Wait, there's Sam, and there's Heidi, hola, and uh, Lucia. Can you wave to There we go. So can you guys all give them a big hand? They're here. It, um, if you're just joining us today, this should not, this could not have happened apart from God. This could not have happened, all the circumstances. So if you get a chance, I think they have to duck out today, but if, if you get a chance to talk to them, um, it, it's so cool. So I'm excited. I think one of the things that God wants to do today, if not the primary thing God wants to do today, is more than information. He wants us to get to know other people, other believers, and, and to share not just the gospel, but to share our lives. Well, um, in preparation, if you brought your Bible, would you open with me? I want to take a look at a passage before we, um, before we get into some, just some conversation here. There's a book of the Bible, Bible called Habakkuk or Habakkuk, depending on where you want to put your emphasis. Um, but if you could turn to it, it's not a book we go to often. Uh, but let's, let's open up Habakkuk chapter 1. And as you're turning, if you have brought your Bible, I just want to let you know too, if you're new here and you don't have a Bible, Biblia en Zucasa, um, we'd love to hook you up with one. There's, on your way out, there's a free Bible. You can grab it right from the resource table. We'd like to send it uh, with you as our gift to you. Also, if you're new here, one of the things that we're trying to do as a, as a church is to encourage people to be reading their Bible every day. And we have some readings that if you don't know where to turn or if you want to be reading what others are reading in your church family, we have these little um, uh, Bible bookmarks. We have some of those there at the resource table. Also, we post it online. And I, I say all of that because this verse, um, last week when I was just doing my Bible readings, I'm reading this and I'm thinking, this is where it's. This is, this is their life. Not the questioning necessarily, but this is their world. So let me just read a small portion here out of um, Habakkuk chapter 1. Uh, we're going to go 1 through 4. Here we go. The oracle that Habakkuk the prophet saw. O Lord, how long shall I cry for help and you will not hear? Or cry to you violence and you will not save? Why do you make me see iniquity? Why do you idly look at wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. Strife and contention arise. So the law is paralyzed. And justice never goes forth. 
For the wicked surround the righteous. So justice goes forth perverted. So I'm reading that last week. I'm thinking of my friends and the life that they face. Every day. Every day. They face, they face these, these things. Um, one of the things that, uh, that, that really strikes me is how this happens so often where um, the word of God, which was written in this case, the scholars I looked at said this, these passages were written 2,600 years ago, um, how it still rings true today. These, these, these words are so timeless, so timeless. And as I think about Juarez, I think of the stuff that, that, um, that they live with and the stuff that we just had a chance to see. Um, I was down with a number of people. In fact, a bunch of you are here today. How many were down with Ace Hoops and with us this, uh, this last summer? Hands? You can put them up. There you go. Okay, a bunch of you. Thank you. One person goes like this. All right. Yeah, you, it's great. Yeah. So, so we were down there this summer. And, um, and I'm sitting at the breakfast table pretending to read the paper. <laughs> My Spanish. No está bien. So I'm reading, I'm reading the, the paper. And, um, and I'm seeing words like violencia all over their Juarez paper. And I'm thinking... I don't know much Spanish, but that doesn't sound good, you know, especially with some of the pictures that accompany some of these articles. So I'm looking through this. Here's a word, um, uh, extorsionador. Maybe that's a good word, but I don't think it looks like a good word. And narcotunnel, I would bet money that that's not a good word. Um, narcotunnel and El Rio. Um, more violentos, every form of violent with oses and things on there you can find. <laughs> So I'm, I'm looking at this, I'm thinking, this is, this is not the kind of paper you want to pick up, right? This is not, we have a little paper, I live in Shoreview, we have a little paper, we don't have that word, these words show up very often, especially the narcotunnel deal. But the, the one that really caught my attention, we were down there, down there in July, and the one that really caught my attention says this, um, well it doesn't exactly say this, this is my pronunciation of what it says, um, say, vivio aquí fin de semana, más violento de esta año. <laughs> and we have some Spanish speakers. Yeah, was that pretty good? <laughs> was that perfect, right? Muy bien. Everybody's watching him. <clears throat> El gringo de no español. Bueno, um, so, so I'm reading that one, right? And I'm sitting at the table, I'm, and I'm thinking... I think what this says is this was the most violent something of the year. And so um, one of my friends who was down there, uh, Angel, was sitting across the table. And I said, I, I humbled myself to say, could you help me with this headline? And so I show him the paper and he says, yeah, that this weekend that you guys just came down, this was the most violent weekend they've had. Um, there were close to 50 murders here just when you guys arrived. And I'm thinking, we're not in Shoreview anymore. And as the week went on, I mean, that just became clear. In fact, the same angel who helped me translate this story, I came into the house um, sometime later in the week, and there's his wife on the phone. His wife's on the phone, and, um, and she's getting a phone call that one of her relatives had just been shot, leaving behind um, uh, their... She was pregnant, right? With the, the husband was shot. And, and so I see these things, and... I keep, I'm reminded because I'm in relationship with folks that this is, this is their world. I thought, you know, in preparation for this week, I haven't looked at the, um, the local news down there for a while. So I went to the El Paso Times website and I thought, you know what, let's just see what happened on random days. So Thursday, I, I go look at the El Paso Times um, website and here is the, the article. And again, I didn't just say, let me go look for the most sensational. This is just what happened on Thursday the day I happened to randomly check. The, the, um, the headline reads, Juarez traffic officer shot and killed near U.S.-Mexico border. Uh, and I'll just read portions here. A Juarez traffic officer was ambushed and killed by an unknown shooter near the U.S. border this morning. She was shot about 10.30 a.m., said a Juarez city spokesman. After she was shot, she called for help. Two other traffic officers arrived on the scene to assist her, but they too were shot. He said, those officers were taken to an area hospital in Juarez. Their conditions were not known. So again, this is just random day. Let's see what's happening in Juarez. And this headline pops up. 
And what makes this extra personal for me is they gave a description of where this place happened. And they said this shooting took place right across from the University of Texas, El Paso. And I won't tell the whole story again because I've shared it a number of times, but that is where God called me into ministry. I I was literally on a hilltop where I probably could have seen this shooting happen. And so my call personally is linked to all of this. And as I was reading that article, I remember that night when I said yes to God. I remember being on that hilltop. It was at night. And I remember wrestling. Do I follow Jesus or do I not follow Jesus? Because I was professing to be a Christian, but now it was, am I going to follow him or not? Because I've realized at this point that to follow him means to let go of my career plans. And I had it all figured out. And so am I going to do this? Am I going to follow Jesus or not? Am I going to go with my plans? Am I going to go with God's plans? And as I'm up there on this mountaintop at night, it was so symbolic because it's right at the border. And so you've got all of the lights of El Paso and then you have you know, the darkness on the other side. And, and as, I'm, as I'm struggling, as I'm wrestling, as I'm, as I'm praying through this, this guy below me walks from the U.S. side and then disappears into the shadows on the, uh, towards, heading towards where it's literally walking towards where the shooting happened. And as I'm reflecting on this now, what, 25 years later, I'm thinking, how prophetic is that? At the time, I didn't know what was going to happen because at the time, they didn't have the violence that they've got now. And so then, is it, are you going to be faithful to the God who's been faithful to you? Are you going to continue to press into this relationship or are you going to back off like a lot of people want to? You know? And, and one of the things, one of the reasons um, I'm so passionate about this, besides the fact that it's personal to me, is that this is true for all believers. You know, I, I can't tell you to put yourself in harm's way because of Jesus. I can't tell you don't put yourself in harm's way because of Jesus. All I can tell you to do is follow Jesus, who himself sometimes avoided harm's way, sometimes walked into harm's way. I'm just going to tell you follow him. And I believe part of what it means for me to follow him is to continue these relationships. And I also do want to say, though, that, that there's a connection with us because when I ask God sarcastically at the time, what do you want to call this church? The name that came back was Emmanuel. Emmanuel Covenant Church. They had the name first. Well, actually, Jesus yeah. did, but... <laughs> um, Emmanuel means God with us. Covenant means in it together. Church goes beyond any one wall, any one group, any one gathering. I think part of what it means to be Emmanuel Covenant Church is to walk forward with these brothers and sisters. There's a lot of accusations right now, a lot of them rightfully so, against the church when it comes to short-term missions because for so many churches, it's really vacation with a purpose. You know? And we have a choice now that it is the, one of the least desirable vacation spots ever. What is it going to mean for us to be with it together, in it together, with our brothers and sisters at Emmanuel Children's Home. So there's some background for those of you who haven't been around here uh, much and don't know about our relationship, um, as well as some new developments. But at this time, why don't, I would like Wendy and Aron, why don't you guys come on up and, and grab a microphone. Um, as they're coming up, let me introduce them a little bit. We're going to let them introduce themselves as time goes on here too. But let me start with Aron. Uh, my, my earliest vivid memory of you dates back to when I was a, a, either a teenager or, or pretty close. And uh, we, we, we were playing soccer against you guys. And uh, it was hard enough playing against the little kids. But then some of the, the older, older guys were like, hey, let's, let's play some soccer. So we're like, okay. And we had no soccer players. And I end up in goal. And there's this big black gate, if you've been down there. So I'm standing in front of big black gate. And that up until... That was probably the scariest moment of my life um, was playing goal and watching this guy just go, boom, and he kicked that ball and so I'd duck and get out of the way and it would hit the gate and it would dense. I mean, it was, 
he's a great soccer player, and, and, and there's other things about his life, too, that we'll be sharing a little bit later. So that's, that's my earliest memory of Veron. And then um, he's here with his wife, Christina, can you wave, and his son, Aaron Jr. So let's give Aaron a big hand for being up there. Good to have him. And then uh, Wendy, most of you know Wendy, and we'll have a chance to, to let you share a little bit more about, um, about yourself here in a little bit. Uh, Wendy um, and their family, well, Wendy's lived in a lot of places, but before moving to El Paso, um, they lived here in Minnesota in, right, Shoreview, in this area. Several places in this area. She's well-traveled. Lana Lakes, right before they left, and uh, felt a call for her whole family to uproot and to go live to be closer to the home. And her and I were reflecting this summer a little bit. Nobody but God could have foreseen all that was going to transpire. And going from just, hey, I'm coming down just to help and serve however I can, to now basically she's functioning as the COO of the home, the entire ministry. So God knew what he was doing. Um, and uh, if you ever doubt God's sovereignty, you just need to look at some of these kind of things. So anyway, it's great to have you guys here with us today. So I've got a couple questions. We're just going to have a, a conversation here so we can get to know you a little better. So Wendy, let's start with you. Why don't you tell a little bit about yourself, just, just you. Like what do you like to do and, and um, who you are, your family, anything that fits in that category about you. Okay. I skipped that question when you... <laughs> He sent me the questions ahead of time. Isn't that so good of Chris? I appreciate that. But that one I kind of, I don't even remember. Was that on the questions? Okay, I'll go ahead. Um, I can, what do let's I bring like it up. To do? I'll check my email. I like to walk my dog, and I like to decorate. And I like... Everyone's just reading the questions now, by the way. So. <laughs> is that what this is? <laughs> do you need a moment? We'll, we'll let her talk. Talk for a while so yeah. you can think of some answers. So. <laughs> I like to be at a manual. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it is my place of peace. Um, I have three children. Our oldest just turned 21 yesterday. I mean, uh, our youngest. Yeah. Um, uh. Our oldest is 28. Is she, other people in here probably know her age better than I do. Um, so we have three daughters. Our oldest started the um, Emmanuel Ballet Academy that is still going strong. And now Becca Wilson, some of you may know the Wilsons that used to go to North Heights. She is running that now. Um, I have a daughter who's, so my eldest Kirsten is, or our eldest is dancing and working at New Mexico State and then helping once a week at Emmanuel. Our daughter Bridget is a nurse in El Paso, and Whitney is my right-hand girl. She's the reason I have kept sane this year, um, and she's she is a treasure to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, and um, I'd appreciate prayer for her because she's really she's an interesting combination. And it's really hard for her to know really who she is. You know, am I Mexican or am I American? Do I think this? Do I, so she's a really interesting blend. So I'm just um, praying for her that God shows her, you know, kind of her place in this world because it's kind of a unique place. Erin's yeah. known her since she was 10 years old. So mm-hmm. um, my husband works in El Paso and sends me on the mission field daily, which is why he's not here. Because everyone else says, why aren't you being Lauren? And he said, Wendy, you know, I have to work. I have to pay the bills. I can't be flitting off to Minnesota every time you flit off to Minnesota. That was his answer to me this time. So um, anyway, he is super, super, super supportive and has always been my cheerleader from, you know, since we first met at Bible school when we were 20 years old, but we didn't get married till we were t- the ripe age of 22. Uh-huh. So... Um, so anyway, that's kind of me in a nutshell. Great. And so um, the other question I had for you that is, is you know, every, everyone that works, we've got some kind of commute, whether it's downstairs, your downstairs office, whether it's across town. Tell us a little bit about your commute, your daily commute. What changes do you see driving from uh, San Marino Drive down yeah. to, uh, to the hill? I live in a nice area of El Paso, on the west side of El Paso, and uh, it's only 15 miles, actually, from... Door to door. Really? Yeah. All right. It's worlds apart, but it's only 15 miles. Yeah. So my day starts with going to the post office 
in El Paso and getting those little envelopes that you, many of you, so generously send on a regular basis. And then based on that, I make a deposit. And based on that, and what already came in yesterday, I take money out to take over to Mexico to pay the bills. So um, so I crossed the border, and it really only take if I was going without any stops, it would take me 25 minutes to get to the children's home from my house. But it usually takes me an hour and a half or two hours because I do all the stops, all the things. And then on the way back, um, it could take 30 minutes or it could take three hours, depending on who else is crossing the border that day. Um, and it, you know, I'm so used to it now that I don't really have a picture of how different it is, except there's a lot more potholes, <laughs> right, in Juarez. Erin <laughs> is newly being able to, to travel over to El Paso, so he's got fresh eyes for it. And then when I have friends come visit, they'll say, oh, look at that, oh, look at that. And I'll think, oh, yeah, that is true, that is like that. But, you know, it's, we live, or our children's home isn't a poor part of even Juarez, which is actually a good thing. I think, in our present situation because we're not where all the big stuff is happening because all the big guys that are shooting each other really don't care about our little neck of the woods. So really we're kind of remote and um, up in the hills, mostly paved roads. Um, so it, yeah, it's a different world. But it's, uh, it's a joy to go. And I, I've been working there 10 years and I would say there's been three days that I haven't wanted to go to work. Hmm. That's, I think, pretty cool. And how many of you can say that? I know. If your boss is in the room, you don't have to raise your hand or anything. But I know. That's the cool thing. Yeah. That's, it's like, you yeah. know, a few days I haven't felt good or whatever. Oh, I don't really want to go. But almost every day, I'm like, okay, good, I get to go. You know, yeah. and it's, it's a, what a privilege that is. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Aron, um, share a little about you. Just, just you. What do you like to do? Tell me about your family. Just some things about you. Help. And what do you do at the home? And some things like that. Well, now, now. <laughs> <laughs> well <laughs> what now? Well, how long do we have? Yeah. <laughs> now, um, my name is Aaron. You can bring uh, Michael up just a little bit. My life, my life started at the home when I was since I was six years old, and I, um, I was one of the kids that uh, that you guys, like most of you guys, some of you guys have been there, you play with them. I was one of those kids jumping on people's back, <laughs> shooting soccer balls. Yeah, soccer yeah. Balls. very hard. Yeah. So, uh, but um, I grew up at the home, and, and if it wasn't for the home, I don't know where, I don't know where I was, I don't know where, uh, I what I will be now. Uh, because... Uh, I grew up at the homes until I was 19, from 6 to 19, just wonderful times at the home. I, I remember when Chris used to go, well, with, I just remember like, oh, there is a Americanos coming, <laughs> and big buses, and it was just wonderful, and I was just a little kid. Travel maker, <laughs> and I was. I, I, I'm not gonna say I wasn't. I was a travel maker, <laughs> and grounded, stayed in the dorm. So, yeah, that's what they do. You're not allowed to go with the Americanos outside and play soccer. You stay right here in the dorm. Out, out. Let me clean something. I'll, I'll wash dishes. I'll do anything. Let me play with the Americanos. The inside so, story. I was, I was a travel maker. But um, when I was nineteen, I, I, uh, I was like, huh. I was uh, like exploring the outside of Juarez, uh, and I was like, there is a lot of parties going on outside. I, I want to go and try some of that. And then I did. I left the home. I left the home when I was 19. I was clubbing, doing a bunch of crazy stuff. But at, and the, I spent like almost three years doing that. It wasn't, I can say it was good times, making money, uh, clubbing and everything. But, uh, but it really wasn't because 
I um. Huh? It's getting hot. Mm. <laughs> she gave me this. <laughs> it was kind of hard for me to stay outside because I always, every time I was doing something bad, I was, I think about the home. And I think that God kept me, kept me out of, I mean, he was protecting me all the, the whole time because I just, many things that I saw, many things that I, that I did, um, it was not good. And because of the home, I knew a, a lot of groups. They, I really liked them and they, they really liked me and... One of the times I just, I was getting contact uh, during this time that I was outside having fun. I was still having contact with Angel. He was the, the I can say, the, the guy that for him he brought me back because mm-hmm. he always uh, told me, I remember he told me one time, man, there is this group that they want to see you. They know what you're doing. They want to see you. So I went back. I was a very arrogant guy. But then I was just making myself being stupid. And I remember that these guys just told me, man, what are you doing? It was old robbers. Uh, and this group, they, they work at the home. And in the afternoons, they go in ministry at the city of Juarez. And I was translating for them, preaching. Mm-hmm. And they say, you want to help us? So there is myself preaching the gospel of God. Mm-hmm. When in the nights I went back, I was doing crazy stuff, you know. Yeah. So this guy, Mark, Mark Steele, yeah, he told me, why don't you stay here? I mean, what, what are you doing out there? Well, stay here. So I talked to the pastor, Josue. Pastor Josue, I talked to him. I said, like, you know what? I want you to forgive me for the things that I that I done. I would, I want to come back to the home. Mm-hmm. And he said, like, you know what? This is your house. The doors door the doors are open for you. You can stay here as long as you want. Wow. So since ten years already, I've been at the home. It's just been a, such a wonderful time there because he was. I almost cried when I read that. The world's most dangerous city. Yeah. Because it is. And if it wasn't for Angel or the Americanos that I was working with and God, I don't know if I would be here in Minnesota. Yeah. Right now. I don't know. Maybe I'll be dead. Because the things that I was doing, it was not really good. And then the... I met my wife, my beautiful wife, Christina. She, she was really hard. <laughs> and she was. I was like, actually, I met her when I was driving this bike and everything, motorcycle. So I was kind of, you know. So I was trying to impress her. And she, like, <laughs> She, yeah, she was like, yeah, whatever. You're not, you're, I'm not easy to impress. You know, actually, when I went, I met her when I was doing all this, to make a short story, I met her when I was doing all this crazy stuff, and she never, I always went to her house, and, hey, you want to go with me? If not on my bike, in my car, she's like, I'm not jumping on your bike, I'm not jumping to your car, I don't know why you got in there. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm clean. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> so in it, anyways, we lost contact for about a year and a half, two years. So when I went back to the home, I was driving by the Zapata statue, mm-hmm. doing some of the things for the home. And then I saw her. And I was like, there you are. So I followed her and I started talk, I, I start talking to her and she was like, Yo, whatever. We call it stalking in the U.S. I was, yeah. <laughs> There's yeah. a word for that, yeah. I hope it translates well. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so, she saw me. I wasn't driving a nice bike. I wasn't driving a nice car. I was driving the troquita, the little troquita, mm. small truck. 
Very beat up. Yeah, very beat up. And she's like, where's your car? Where's your bike? I was like, oh, I'm out. I'm out of those things. Uh, I'm back at the home. And she's like, whatever. You're not. You're not. So I start... I started the relationship with her, like visiting her, her house, you know. Her mom didn't like me well, much. And then, and then she started seeing me like, I wasn't not the, the, the guy that I used to be. And I brought it to the home, and then we started a relationship uh, for four years. We dated for four years, and then we've been married almost for five years. We got a beautiful son, he from God. And... I just, I love my family, my family, and my family at the home, mm-hmm. and my family here in Minnesota. I mean, it's just a wonderful time to be here, recognizing yeah. a lot of the guys. And yeah. my job at the home is I do a little bit of everything. <laughs> That's what I do. Now, now I'm not doing anything because I'm here having fun. Uh, but uh, most of the time when we have groups, I, I work with them full time. Full time. That's why I was saying the other day, just fall in love with the, the, the groups that go there because I just got to know them. Like other, like Chris was saying, mm-hmm. it's family. Mm-hmm. It's family that when you guys leave, you just, when you guys come back to the U.S., you just leave this, you know, love and the kids and us that, that, that I just, and we miss you guys and the kids miss you too. I mean, I'll miss, I'll miss the, the things that we do all together. Mm-hmm. And believe it or not, the kids, they ask for you. When they heard that I was coming here, they, um, I told them, where are you going? I said, I'm going to the, the, the remember the big group, Minnesota, the Americanos, they, they used to come. I'm going with them. Oh, so, say hi. They told me a bunch of names. <laughs> but I, I, it's, it's hard for me to remember they, <laughs> They remember you guys. Mm-hmm. They remember you, and, and they remember that the things that you do. And I mean, we just—I love it. I love yeah. Minnesota. Yeah. People lie to me about the weather, but <laughs> it's good to be here. Yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah. No, thank for you. Me here. Thanks. And, and see, this is exactly the kind of thing I'm hoping would happen because you got stories. You know, and to find out more about your relationship and, and how it started. And a lot of guys in the room can relate to a lot of what's being said. And a lot of the girls can relate. And more, hey, young girls, follow her lead. Follow her lead. Look for the guys. Look for the guys who are following God. Um, so, yeah, this, this is good. Well, say, let's talk a little bit. Let's shift gears a little bit then. Let's talk about your, your city. Um, the last couple of years, things have really changed. Um, a lot. And do you want to just speak your perspective? Because we can see stuff in the news. But what's your perspective about what's happening in the city? And then how is that affecting the home? How is that affecting... How have the last couple of years affected the violence affected? And that can be to either, either one of you guys. From a ministry perspective, it's affected the home in the way that Aaron just talked about. Um, I've kept numbers on visitors for the last, like, six or seven years. But... We went from 800 visitors about three or four years ago during the year to this year, total we may hit 50. That includes the board of directors meeting. <laughs> um, we had like... Which is 20-some or something, Yeah, which is 20, 30. So like half of it would be the board of directors who kind of have to go. And then... Um, wow. So that's a big impact. Just because, like Aaron talked about... These kids do equate Americanos with God's love. I mean, I know around the world that's not necessarily how people view Americans, but (laughs) on the hill in Wattis, America equals God loves me. Wow. And it's not only, you know, stuff you give them, but if you, you know, it's, it's the human contact, and it's the hug, and it's... It's just spending time with these kids. And that, to me, is the, the hardest part of this is really just that people are afraid to come. And, and some, you know, they shouldn't. You know, I'm not saying everyone should go regardless. I'm just saying that that is, that is my sense of loss from this, mm-hmm. personally, from a, from a children's home perspective. Um, and then just the limiting, the limitedness of the, the even when Aaron used to take groups here, there, or the other place, that's reduced where we can go. 
Um, and, and so what is, as a community has lost out in the Americanos in general, I mean, I know there's Canadians and stuff too, but I'm just saying in general, um, who used to come to help. Uh, it used to be when we pick a group up at the airport, yep. there'd be blue shirts from one church and red shirts mm-hmm. from another church and yellow shirts from another church. And now, oh yeah, there's the one group who's coming yep. to see us. Yep. The, the um, white vans that used to be all over the city that people rented, hardly see any anymore. Any. So not only our children's home, but the, the, the needy around the city have been negatively impacted by this, by yep. this violence. And lack of industry, I mean, you know, there's economic ramifications all over the place. Has been shutting down the, yeah. the, the markets has shut in a lot of the business down, like the Mercado, you remember? It's out. So, and, and you probably have other things to say, but from a children's home perspective, I would say the loss of connection. They, their hug tank mm. is not as full as it used to be. Yeah. And we have a lot of new kids who, who have never experienced these huge groups. Now, fortunately, like Ace Hoops coming, um, Chris's group coming, Cheryl Peterson and Eric Peterson brought a, a team. You know, we don't need a gazillion people, but um, we do have a gazillion kids, so it's, it's, it's a lot of work for the four or five people yeah. because they have a hundred kids that want to, you know, be with them. Um, so we're just so thankful for those that are, you know, brave enough or, you know, whatever the word is, you know, fill in the word to come. Um, and, and Becca did a belly intensive and bless their hearts, you know, these naive young women and men came and hung with our kids, and they just had a fantastic time. So it's happening, but not as much as it used to, and, and we sense the difference. We can sense the difference. Yeah. Do you want to add anything about the city? And Well, do you want to share what, like when we were talking by the coffee, just how it, it's just changed for you personally, just even driving around, even going out and do things? Like what? Well, yeah. I, I, I keep the picture in my head about... The, the Juarez that we used to drive a lot with Zapo, we call him that. Zapo. Zapo. We used to go around in the big bus and have a tour of the city, and it was nice. I mean, those places where I used to took you guys, uh, we, we can't, like, but the rich area, Campestre, we can't, we can't go now because they blocked their, their, their street. It's blocked with huge rocks. I mean, it's blocked. And, and of course, protection, and and the, the the poor area of Juarez. I mean, we that's where the shooting happened. That, that he was reading on the newspaper. Mm-hmm. That's where it happened. So we, I, I cannot take the the people to the danger area. For me, especially for me, I was saying the other day. I I told Wendy sometimes, Wendy, you know what? I just don't want don't want to go out uh, to do my work like uh, drive it around the city. I mean, it's just not that I don't get tired of being driving, but it's just like the stress that you feel. I mean, you're just looking like you, you wish you can put a bunch of mirrors around your car so you look around. Because even the, the carjacking and, and even the, the guys that they sell the newspaper, I mean, you, I'm, I'm always, this personal, I always am washing their hands like, man, what did, you don't pull anything out of your hand, bro. So, you know, I mean... I told my wife and I told Wendy, it's like Wendy says, I've been crossing the border like since June. June. So it's amazing the difference in mm-hmm. you cross. I mean, you're on top of the bridge and you're like, God. Yeah. I mean, it's like they take the big rock out of your back. I mean, you just feel so relaxed as soon as you cross the border. Mm-hmm. And me, I told my wife, I mean, it's, you see the difference between, I was talking to you the other day, you see the difference, it's such a short, very dif- distance, such a big difference. Yeah. As soon as we cross back, me and my wife, sometimes we go to El Paso, we, go, we cross the border, when we're just not even crossing, mm-hmm. roll up their windows, push the buttons, it's, that's how I feel. Mm-hmm. I feel insecure because of when he was reading the Bible, it's true mm-hmm. what it says. Our laws, our, the laws is just way too lost. No good. Yeah. So, just see, see people every time. In the new, I used to see the news a lot. Not anymore because it just, 
I mean, I just can't sleep. I suffer insomnia and, and just watching this news every day, 10, 15 murders at a day, weekends, 40, 42 every weekend. So it just, it's bad. I mean, I, I'm afraid. I'm afraid, but I know God has a, his hand up on the hill that, like Wendy was saying, we're blessed to be like way up there because no violence up there. We, God has his hand up on us. So that's my personal. Yeah, it's changed. And, and we're, not talk, we're talking to some very brave people here. You know, I, I, I remember down in July, um, I'd never had that experience before where we just had to go run to get something from the um, ferreteria. The, uh, the, how is it? That better? Huh? Yeah, better. There, there. The um, hardware store. We had to run to the hardware store, which I had done a gazillion times um, before. And I'm in the, in the car with Angel, who's got a prison record, and um, tough, tough guy. And I'm realizing both he and I, um, sitting in this van, we were like, we could get killed going to the harvest store. They, they limit the number of trips. It's really, really something. Um, when I went to the news, here's some more good news. Um, when I went to the news, there were two articles. There was the one I told you about, the traffic officer. Here's another one. And Wendy, I want you to reflect on this, and then I'm going to ask you that, the question, all right? Um, uh, here it says, um, a six-year-old, six-year-old Evelyn was hiding in fear under a bed in her father's Juarez home when a gunman shot her twin sister. Eileen, right above her. The girls, both elementary school students in El Paso, had shared toys, classes, and memories together since they were born. On Tuesday, Eileen lay in a white casket. She was dressed in a cream-colored dress with orange flowers on it as her relatives visited her open casket and wept. Her sister Evelyn wore the same dress. Eileen and Evelyn went to Juarez to visit their father, a Mexican national, that weekend because he could not legally come into the U.S. to see them, said his wife. They were sleeping on a bed in a house their father shared with Jesus Perez, no relation, right? No. Um, yeah, I asked yesterday because you never know. Um, when a, so they're, they're in the, this room. Um, when a group of gunmen burst in and attacked Perez, um, she said, the father acted quickly by tossing Evelyn under the bed, but he did not have enough time to hide Eileen before someone shot him and then shot Eileen. Chihuahua State Police said Eileen and Perez were found dead on beds in two rooms of the house amid 30 billet casings from high-powered rifle. They also found Eileen's wounded father and took him to a hospital, but they did not find Evelyn. That is because a 10-year-old girl who often played with Eileen and Evelyn entered the house after the shooting and helped Evelyn. The girl took Evelyn to a safe place and washed her because Evelyn was covered with blood. Then she fed and comforted Evelyn until a family member came to get her. All right, here's what I want you to respond to. They, they talked to the mom after all of this. Imagine that. Um, and, uh, and so the mom says she wants to make an emotional plea to all the parents of children who cross the border to see relatives not to, go, uh, not to allow those children to go back to ours again. And here's what she said. She said, mine went over to visit and came back without life. She said, there is no reason to go there. So Wendy, here's the question. We've talked before about what drew you to Juarez. Why do you go back? Why would you go back to that place? Um, as I said, Chris, Chris told me that this question was coming. And actually, it's so interesting how God uses things in our lives. God used that question to bring me out of a, a really hard place. Um, this has probably been the hardest year, probably, of my life, um, in many ways, and it, it's too complicated to talk about, but I've been in some really hard places this year. And I was asking myself that very question um, a few days before I got that note from Chris. I still stand by, I, I wasn't dreading going to work, I was still loving going to work, but just the whole concept of my call, you know, what's, why am I doing this? Um, I was just having some person, just, it's too complicated. I'm not going to get into it, but, (laughs) um, and I got that question and I thought, oh my gosh, that's a really good question. What, how am I going to tell these people that I have no idea (laughs) that, um, but it, it, so I, I prayed and thought about it and I just said, okay, let me just reanalyze 
And what it came down to was, it's the place that I have peace. And then I'm, an, I'm a self-centered person. I follow Jesus because it feels good. I follow Jesus because, yes, he's God, you know, and I'm, I'm humbled by that. But really, it's because his peace is the best thing in the universe. And I would not want to settle for less. So once I've had it, anything else would be fake. You know, there are a lot of ways that we seek to, to have peace in our lives and to have fulfillment in our lives. And we spend a lifetime trying to get it. Fortunately, when I encountered Christ when I was 15 years old, a very restless and very depressed, peaceless person, and I sensed God's peace for the first time. It was higher than any high I'd ever done. It was better than any party I'd ever gotten to. It was better anything I'd ever smoked or inhaled or anything. And that was the real thing. So, you know, 10 years later in what is 40 years after my conversion to Christ, it all boils down to still, he is my peace. And his peace for me is doing what I do in what is. I have asked the tough questions for myself. And my husband and I have talked about it. My children and I have talked about it. I could die in Wattis. It's possible. But, wow. What a way to go. Doing what I love to do. Being fulfilled on a daily basis. Being surrounded by these children that, you know, God loves the poor. He loves the needy. I mean, he loves all of us. But he has a special place in his heart, if you look at scripture, for those who others aren't taking care of. And to be someone who has the privilege to be in a place where we get to take care of these kids, it's just like, it's way better than, than any artificial stimulation you know, that I can think of. So... I'm going to keep doing it until God says that I don't get to anymore. Mm. Because he's already told me I don't have to. Because in Christ I'm free. I do not have to go to Wattis. I don't feel like you know, God's going to zap me if I don't. Anything like that. I am totally free. I am saved by God's grace and I can do what I want to do. But he's letting me still do it. Mm. And I would be an idiot to not do this thing that is so cool. And it doesn't make sense on a worldly level. It doesn't make sense on a rational level a lot of times. You know, in the most violent, most dangerous city in the world, I have peace. Hmm. How weird. And I'm not doing totally week. Insane. Yeah. <laughs> Last Jeez, week. I'm happy. <laughs> Last week, Isaiah was sharing that uh, um, Peter, Peter's words, you know, uh, Lord, to whom shall we go? Exactly. You have the words of eternal life. Yeah, that, that's Where one else, of my favorite you know, scriptures. Yeah, it's so you true. Know, it's like, what else is there? Yeah. And, and, you know, God used many things. He used your question. He used, my friend Jane came, to, when was it you came to visit? In August? Oh, Mar- March? Oh, boy, I've been going through this. I there in August. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right, because it's too hot. <laughs> See, I've been going through this since before Jane. You know, it, it's been about a year that I've been going through this personal thing. And um, he used Jane big time. And then he used Chris, Chris's question. He used the group's coming. You know, he's used Aaron many, many times in my life just to encourage me. His smile... Can just really encourage me. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, let's um, let's let's pray for you guys. As I'm praying, worship band, why don't you come on up um, as we we start to wind down our service? Um, let, let's pray for them. If some of you f- want to come on up, the Bible talks about laying out of hands, about about gathering around other believers. Yeah, there's no switches on these. You just pop them back there. If you guys want to come stand right down here. We'll, let's pray for you. If others want to come up and pray with brother and sister, wish we had more time. You know what? I'm going to just throw an open invitation. Some of us were planning to get together at Devani's right here on, um, right in Arden Hills, the Devani's on Lexington across from Super Target. If anyone wants to join us, um, come and do that and get a chance to meet these guys. Um, you're all up here, so I'll just talk to <laughs> No, but you're all welcome to join us if you'd like to get some more time with them. Let's, uh, I'll, I'll lead us in prayer and then we'll sing.
Oh yeah, Christina and Aaron Jr. Can you want to tell them? Because I'm not going to be able to tell them. Okay. Yo uh, necesito Christina and that, what he said. Um, there they are. She's got it. Let's pray. Peterson family, get up here. Come here. Come here. We got to pray for these guys too. Um, let's, let's, uh, let's join around. Yeah, we, we script all this. Everyone's going to stand exactly here. It's not good. Come on up. Come on up. Rapido, rapido. We got kids in the poor children's ministry people are... They do, man. We, we go overboard way too long. Come on in. Let's pray. I'll pray. We got two whole minutes. We got a song. We got... All right. No, let's pray. I don't want to overrush this. I'm joking. Okay, let's pray for her. I'll lead us. Father, um, what, a, what a beautiful thing this is right now. To have your family here together. Part of it. Just a small part of a, of a family reunion that's, that's happening, Father. Lord, we pray that you help us to see through um, the lies in front of us that, that life is better isolated from reality. Reality is ultimately you. You are ultimate reality, Father. So open our eyes to it. Open our eyes so we can see what you see. That, that we can have a love that, that even could be for people in a cartel. That people who have wandered from you. People who, who don't... We, we, can't, we can't with our eyes see... Their, your image in them, but it's there. Lord, tr- so transform us, Father, that, that we can have your eyes and your heart and your mind. Lord, we, we pray specifically for, for those who are the object of our, of our prayers right now um, all, all around us. So we pray for the Peterson family that, Lord, you gave them the vision. We pray for your provision to continue to be revealed. Lord, that everything from, from language to school to, to basic needs, Father, would be met so that the home you want to create could, could come to pass. And thank you for the inspiration they are to us. Lord, we pray for Ferron and Christina and, and Aaron Jr. We pray for Wendy and, and her family. We pray for everyone connected to that home, whether they're visiting or whether they live there. Father, we pray that no weapon formed against them will prosper. Father, but instead we pray that, that they will experience everything you want them to experience. Lord, they will experience your peace. They'll experience your love. They will experience wisdom that passes all understanding. Father, that they would prosper, that their school would prosper, not just break even, that they would prosper, Father. So Lord, thank you for, for what you did here in our midst this morning. And we pray that this won't be a seed that is snatched. Um, snatched by thorns that come up and choke it, or snatched by the enemy who grabs it, snatched by some stupid distraction. But instead, Lord, that, that, that what you planted here today, this, 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 act, this real example of your gospel would take root in our lives and forever transform. I have a picture in my head. I see a root underneath concrete. And as that root is growing, it's strong enough to break away the concrete. God, do that. Make roots so deep that it can break the concrete of our heart, the concrete of our false understandings. Lord, that, um, that, uh, that your good and perfect will would be done. Lord, we pray all these prayers, the spoken, the unspoken. And we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would remind us to pray for our brothers and sisters, not just here, but all around the world. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Now please join us in, as we sing a, a song to, to God. Um, we'll also at this time be receiving an offering if you brought that. Go ahead.